watershed moment for the game in this week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast with changes for young players coming through. from Head of Participation Geraint John explaining a big change in the youth game in Wales. Changing the age banding to bring in under 18s instead of under 19 as the top age of youth rugby. There's a lot to explain. We'll also hear reaction to the Pontypool story you may have seen this week about them not finishing all their fixtures this season. Of course, we'll start with an explanation for all those changes at youth rugby level. It's a pretty long and passionate first answer. There's plenty to get through. I think it's a discussion we've had for a long period of time. I think looking at this banding of what, in terms of the male game specifically, we're talking about now, because, um, you know, it's uh, the female game in terms of that banding, may want to answer later. But in terms of the male game, the key part for us has always been how do we make sure that our game is sustainable in the future? And we're talking about when we say sustainable, about numbers and players to play the game. That is also important. So the key part for us has always been, how do we grow our male game? We need players playing. You know, if we want our clubs to be sustainable on a Saturday and get people playing on a Saturday or whenever they want to play, we need numbers, simple as that. Now, right throughout this process, people talk to us about what is the right age and our pathway of playing. We always have single-age banding. If you look at all our male programmes from minis rugby, we have under sevens, then they go to under eights, then they go under nines, all the way through up to under 16. And on average, right throughout all those years, from under sevens to under 16s, we have on average around about, fluctuates between around about 2,500, 2,700 players playing, okay? But we noticed that between the ages of 16 to the ages of 19, there's a drop-off. Can't hide that. That is factually correct. There's a drop-off. An example over the last few years from 1619, right, I can give you an example of 16-year-old numbers of players that we have, uh, 50-year-old players around about 2,300 players. By the time we get to 19 registered players, we're down to around about 900 players. So that is a huge, significant drop-off, around about 12 to 1,300 players that drop off between there. And this isn't just about us as a country. We've looked at other countries as well. You know, how do we actually keep our male players engaged and keep our male players playing in the game? And the significant start of the drop-off is at that age of 16. So so part of this process that we went through was actually saying, all of a sudden, we have a three-year banding. We go from under-16s to under-19 in club rugby. And people say it's three-year banding. If you actually want to be mathematically correct, it's actually three years and 363 days. That is the difference between the very youngest person that can play youth rugby to the very oldest. It's three years, 363 days. And that's a big, big jump. So we decided we needed to look at it. Other people have looked at it before. Previous to myself, the board and the community board years ago have looked at the age banding. Other countries have a two-year banding, that particular age group. Other countries have a single age banding. But our view was the more players we have at the younger age, the more players that are going to progress to senior. So because of the drop-off at 16, we had to look at it closely. So we went out and we asked, we surveyed, we surveyed players, we surveyed coaches, we surveyed club secretaries, chairmen, strength and conditioners, people on the field, people off the field. It was important to gather the views and thoughts of the people who play, because that is important. The people who play the game, sometimes me as a, I'm going to call myself middle-aged, if that's all right, white male can actually turn around and say, Oh, this is what we've got to do. But 
Youngsters are important. They're the ones that are on the field. Basically, he was telling a 16-year-old child, what do they actually want? What do they need for us to play the game? So their comment, youngsters like to be with their friends. That's true. Youngsters wanted to play roundabout with their friends. So if we go to a three-year band in a mall, the likelihood of playing with their friends probably isn't there. So we went to over 9,000 people to ask for their views and thoughts of our band in, what was required, what was needed, what do they want. And six-year-olds wanted to be with their friends. So right now, just for an example, so six-year-olds in 2021, in 21-22, this coming season, we've had an actually increase in numbers this season of 17-year-olds playing the game. We have never, ever, through registration, ever seen from 16, we usually go 16, decrease at 17, decrease at 18, decrease at 19. Last year, 17, we actually had an increase. We've never seen an increase in players. Now, you can ask the question, why did we have an increase last year? The only thing we've done, we've had a two-year ban in this year. By pure coincidence, because of Welsh Government, through COVID, we adopted an under-18 process because of adult guidelines and age-bound guidelines. So in terms of why is it a watershed moment, we firmly believe that by making this decision, we will retain more 16-year-olds in our game than we've had before. That can only be good for the game. If we have more 16-year-olds, hopefully we'll have more 17-year-olds and more 18-year-olds, and eventually we'll have more players progressing through our system to make our male game sustainable moving forward. We have to look at this drop-off. Why is there a drop-off? And we firmly believe, as a group, through research, through dialogue, not just through the survey. It's not just been the survey, linking in with people from World Rugby, Sport Wales, linking in with Welsh Government, linking in with all of the other four nations, looking at our pathway, looking at what other countries around the world do. We believe that this is the right age band in to actually help us to retain our numbers. And that's all we want. We want the game to flourish. I want the male game on a Saturday afternoon to be flourishing, to have players playing it. We need to protect our numbers and we firmly believe this will be there. And we're going to go through this for the next four years because that will allow us to progress and monitor these players as a 16, 17, 18, 19. Over the next four years, we'll be able to monitor these players, look at them closely and see how many players we progress. We believe that we'll end up retaining more players than we've had before, which is vital to make sure that the club game on a Saturday is played, whether you play for a premiership club or you play for Division 3, or you play for Division 2, that is important for us. So uh, the aim of this is to service the adult rugby of the game, is to make it sustainable. It's not just people looking at, oh, you're just looking at the youth banding. No, this is about the longer strategic aim to make our game sustainable moving forward. So not a short answer, sorry, but um, and as a governing body and people who've been here before, we're majorly passionate about this because we firmly believe it's the right decision. But also, we've also said... That if you're asking me in the long term, what would I really like? I'd like to have under 16 age banding, under 17 age banding, under 18 age I'd like to have single age banding all the way through rather than have single age banding up to 16 and all of a sudden go to three years and 363 day banding. I'd rather have single banding all the way through so youngsters can play with their friends, be out there, more numbers. We want to do the same in the female game. At the moment in the female game, we have double banding all the way through. We did have three-year banding in the female game, but we've reduced that to double banding as well. So this is making sure everything's aligned. We 100% are supporting that it'll grow the game, get more players through, 
into adult rugby. And that's the key part here. It's not just thinking about this. We're trying to think about the whole. You mentioned other countries, Geraint. Have you taken inspiration from elsewhere or is this purely based on the feedback you've had from Welsh teams you've spoken to? I mean, I'm not aware how it works in other countries around the world. Is there proof that actually this is a, a better alternative? It was interesting when we do our research, one, we've got to make sure we're doing the right thing for Wales. And that's vitally important because do we gather data and survey people in Wales 100% because we need to know what they wanted? Did we look at other countries? Yes. We have regular meetings with the four nations, us, England, Ireland, Scotland. What do they have? They have double banding, right? They found it, oh, wow, they were a bit shocked that we had a three-year banded. They have under-18s model. Look at other countries from tier one nations, all are under the 18 banded. There are some countries who have single banded in terms of they have under-17s, under-18s and under-19s, but it's mainly single-age banded. We couldn't find a country that had a real, what I call a three-year gap. Do all the countries, and include ourselves, do we see a drop-off of players? Yes. Are we concerned about drop-off of players? Yes, we are. But I think it's not just in rugby. This happens in all sports and all forms of sort of activity. At the age of 16 to the age of 18, 19, there are always drop-offs in no matter what sport. The key thing for us was actually look at how do we decrease the number of players who leave our game? How can we make sure that the game, at, especially at 16, is the key element? Yes, we want to make sure that those players at 18, 19, when they leave the programme, we transition them correctly. But the key part is also that we want to make sure at the 16. We also not only looked at rugby, we also looked at contact sports because our game is a contact sport. You know, we've got 16-year-olds playing against Welsh government tell us, for the age category, against adults, right? And there'll always be that. How do you categorise that? Most contact sports, and we looked at other contact sports, their age banding, did they have uh, relevance in terms of maybe a 16, 17-year-old person in a contact sport with a 19-year-old adult person? And the answer was all were in this 16, 17, 18, and 18 was the major cutoff before they go into adult sport. I guess naturally the attention turns to those 19-year-olds and is there any concern that they sort of find themselves in a, a no-man's land and where should they be getting their competitive rugby? At the age of 18, yes, they are into adult rugby. You know, yes, there's the first 15 element. There is the second 15 element as well. Players did tell us at the age of 18 and 19, they enjoyed the physicality of senior adult rugby. The 16-year-old was a little bit more of a concern, whereas the 18-year-olds were telling us it wasn't as much of a concern to them. So when people talk to us about, hold on, the maturity and the late maturity, again, we flip it the other way, going, what about the 16-year-old? The 18-year-olds enjoy the physicality. They feel they can cope with the physicality. And also, we've got to make sure that how do we stay in the, in the game? So that physical fear was not evident coming back to us from the people who actually answered the question. But it was for the 16-year-old who came back to us. So I think a key part for us here is that, one, the starting point has always been that 16-year-old area there. Two, we will work hard in that 18-, 19-year-old block, as you said there. We will work, we'll get our staff working with the clubs. What can we do to transition players in? Yes, they could be playing first-team club rugby and, you know, hopefully some will progress into their first-team clubs like we've had out here in the Road to Principality, whether it's Crumlin, Tonner, Trebanos, Newcastle, Emlyn, Halford West, Whitland. Can they transition the first team? But also, there's also second-15 rugby. 
There is a second 15 element out there as well. We need to put more support and resources around second 15 rugby. We may look at how do we rebrand that, put more advertising around it, put more of a campaign around it. We have conferences around Wales that support second 15 rugby. So there is that opportunity for them there in second 15 rugby. Not only play first team rugby, second team rugby, there could be an opportunity. Some clubs may play the odd game of of an under 20 game or an under 19 game as long as they're 18 plus. But the key thing for us is actually how do we then put more resources around that? We won't get it right straight away. And people think, you know, we've, all of a sudden we've had a, a put a magic wand and everything's going to be rosy in the garden. We know that's not that. We will all have to work hard. Clubs will have to work hard. How do we transition players through? That'll be the request with our clubs as well. We'll put staff in and resources to support as well. But the key thing, it goes back to where's the starting drop-off? The starting drop-off is that 16-year-old. We need to make sure that we feel we've act, we'll try and overcome that element, but we also have to try and then support and transition players through, as you said, that 18-19. And we will try and add more promotion around you know, the second 15 rugby to keep those young players in the game. We also link in with our university as well. So and support that we will provide in that element there. And we work closely with our clubs and our staff will work closely with our clubs out there as well. But it goes back to where's the starting point. The initial drop-off point is that 16-year-old. We can get more 16-year-olds in. Hopefully they'll stay in their 17, they'll stay in their 18. And one of the things they've said to us is that once they're in rugby, they tend to stay in rugby. And very rarely in the male game, do you ever find a male 21 or a male 19-year-old who starts rugby again? The more we keep in our system, the more we'll be able to bring out for the adult game. And that is vitally important for us. And uh, there'll be a lot of people who will have different views and thoughts on that probably today and in the next couple of weeks. There'll probably be a lot of people who may disagree with me and the Department of the Community Game Board. But we firmly believe that this is about how do we make our male game sustainable moving forward and how it's aligned closely with our pathway programs, how it's aligned with our performance program, how it's aligned with also our female program in terms of equality and diversity as well. And we feel we have that right now. We won't have the numbers next year, but in terms of the next three years, we have to allow this time to progress and move forward and we have to give it time. And that's why we've also said this is for four years. We'll monitor it closely over the next four years to be able to provide the answers that people will uh, be expected of us in four years' time and to keep our club sustainable. I'm sure you remember some of the headlines last year when the changes came through, um, you know, talk of a lost generation, clubs expressing their fears in that sense. Do you feel after a year of it, those changes being brought in, do you feel those fears have subsided? You're always going to get nervous a little bit, but, uh, but there's also a major confidence and a major positivity for myself. And I understand history, tradition, that it has been under 19 previously. I understand the fantastic group of work that people have done in clubs. But this is about our strategic aim. And we need to do something to keep our game. I want rugby for children, for the grandchildren, for people moving forward. I want to see today's 10-year-old, 12-year-old staying in our game. And I know we're going from three-year banding to a two-year banding. Right? Strategically, we want single-year banding. We've got, as I said earlier, we've got over 2,000, about 2,200 to 2,500 times of players playing under 16 rugby and under 15 rugby. Wouldn't it be great if we had 2,500 players playing under 17 rugby, another 2,500 playing under 18 rugby? That would be fantastic. What we have at the moment, we only have about 900 players registered at under 19. So the drop-off is drastic. However, last year, 
we increased our number of 17-year-olds. And you can go and say, well, why is that? The only thing that's been different in the last 12 months is under-18 rugby. Now, that has meant we've actually had more players registered. So if we can just keep these players moving forward, we will get more players coming through. It's going to take time. It won't happen overnight. But we know that, that this is key for us moving forward. So it is going to take a little bit of time. But this is about the long-term strategic aim, not about next season. Already had messages, oh, you know, what are all these people going to do? You know, I've got all these under-19s next year. Yeah, but that same club has about 26 and the 16-year-olds as well. Where do those 26 and the 16-year-olds go? Well, they now will have more of a, an opportunity. And it's sort of like that ethical responsibility to support these youngsters coming through. You know, they've told us what they want. We believe 100% we want to support these youngsters, maintain them in the game, uh, get them out at the other side to support adult rugby as well. And if I was a coach at under, and I had a great under-19 youth team, I, I may be thinking, oh, I've lost an opportunity to do a fantastic season next year. But I have to think, and we have to think as a governing body, the long-term strategy to keep our game sustainable moving forward. And yes, decisions are always tough to make because everybody, we've got 3 million people who will have a view today on the decision that is made. We may have 3 million different views on the decision that is made. Welsh rugby is always like that. But our job is to try and get this game to be sustainable moving forward. And, you know, we're passionate behind it. We go full out as a group of staff to support this element. We want the game to grow. We want more players playing the game. And we want to make sure our clubs, who are key out there, that they can provide and put teams out on a Saturday afternoon. How regularly will the numbers be monitored? And is it possible we see more changes before the end of the four years? I think we have to leave this run, to be honest. Will we be able to monitor this every year, 100%? We look at how many 16-year-olds we'll have next season, how many 17-year-olds, how many 18, how many 19. We look at it closely in terms of what areas of Wales. So we may find there's pockets of Wales with more numbers than other numbers. So strategically, again, we can go into that particular area and say, look, hey, we're seeing that there's a lack of 17-year-olds in this area, so how do we grow that area there? That's why we've said this is for four years. So we believe that this decision will have more numbers coming through. We'll continually monitor this data. The change I'd love to see in four years' time, we're going to have so many players, we're going to have to say, hey, we can't cope with this. We're going to have to have an under-17 band and an under-18 band. That is an unbelievable ambition, okay? What a fantastic thing that would be. We know that would help our clubs being sustainable on Saturday. That means our games will always be played. We'll always have a first team out there on the field. We'll have more second 15 rugby. We'll be able to offer more opportunities for people. We'll get people more around the clubs. You know, we'll get that community spirit. We've just seen 10 days of fantastic community spirit at the road to Principality. Tonna winning the Shield on Saturday. Stacks of people here. We know the support in the community there. We want to have more numbers coming through. We've got hub officers out in over 111 schools next year, growing the game. You know, we've got our rugby officers out on the field to try and help our clubs as well. So this is a piece of jigsaw in our grand strategic game of getting our clubs, communities, vibrant, people playing. We have right now an active registration portal. So we'll be able to give that information and data. But one of the other things that we're looking at to progress next season, probably something that we probably haven't mentioned in our press release, but it's something we'll be looking at with all clubs, we want mandatory team sheets. So we look at next year, how do we get electronic team sheets? Because we also want to monitor who's playing, you know, what the players are playing. You know, so if we had those electronic team sheets, not only do we have data of how many people have registered, but I, you know, hopefully this time next year I'll be able to tell you 
who's played the most youth games for a particular club next season because we have that data. So we're going to gather more information and more data, which will allow us to be able to look at what we're doing and also then not to be reactive. We can be proactive and actually get ahead of where maybe the downfalls or whatever happens, if that makes sense. How will it work in schools? And also, are you worried that we'll see a positional drop-off, that it's going to be much harder for an 18-year-old prop compared to a an 18-year-old wing. One of the things we're working on with our schools association to get a full alignment across the, the whole band in there, and we'll be working with our schools affiliated bodies with regards to that and get in total alignment on following our pathway program. So hopefully that'll answer that question there. In terms of positional one, at the age of 18, that's key for us is actually making sure that at clubs, they have that opportunity. One, they will work closely with a coach to make sure that they play at the appropriate position and an appropriate game as well. So again, the key part is how do we transitional players through? And actually, one of the key things, how do clubs transition players through? It's sort of like, you know, right now, there are 18-year-olds in the clubs. They know right now what the age band is next year. The summer programme, transitional players through, making sure they feel comfortable, making sure they have the right coaching support, making sure they have the physical support to be actually be able to deliver in those particular games. I think that's also key. So that's part and parcel of it. That's also part and parcel of reverting back to the the 16-year-old player playing in the 19-year-old front row as well. So again, it goes back to that. And we've always fallen back right now. Where is the first drop-off point? You say about the winger being that he is is ready or not. Depends maybe the size and shape of the winger as well, isn't it? It's very easy to say, but you've actually got to look at the individual and how we support the individual as well. So uh, once we get more team sheets, once we get more information, once we get more data, the key thing of this is that We won't have all the answers right now. We try to answer really specifically in one area to make sure that we grow the game at the age of 16, we get players through. And then we also got to work really, really hard in helping those transitional players to stay in the game and transition into adult rugby as well. And obviously the other thing was the uh, the Pontypool statement. Obviously you, you addressed it yourself in the WRU statement, but I just wanted to sort of know what the Welsh Rugby Union themselves did in, in order to try and get that game played. One of the key things we always do, try and get the clubs to actually mutually agree dates. We know that there's set dates. I know we give them uh, dates across the line as well. And so those discussions have been taking place. This season, You know, no matter probably what any governing body did, I've never been in a workplace where, where we've been in lockdown, COVID cases, because there's no examples of how you go through those uh, before. So we made a decision at the beginning that we wanted to return to rugby. We wanted people playing. We wanted to get the game back. March 23rd, 2020, there was no rugby. We didn't play rugby for nearly over 12 months. People forget that. We wanted people to come back. We've got the game back. We've got more players registered than we've ever had before. When you look at COVID figures in February, March, yeah, there were high COVID figures. That's been our philosophy all the way through and try and support clubs, you know, financially on and off the field, trying to rearrange games as well. But sometimes clubs... Unfortunately, whether you have dates there, clubs couldn't agree dates on when they wanted to play. That can be very, very unfortunate. But we've always said all along, we would never penalise clubs this year. And that is something we've looked at again and we've agreed. Because COVID has been taking place. COVID has been out there. 
But also, we didn't have rugby for 12 months. We were in lockdown in December. And it's like, how do we get people through this season so we can start next season on a positive, people out there, regular season, get people back excited, let's transition throughout the year. We know there's clubs who said we should have had promotion relegation. There'll be other clubs who said we shouldn't have had leagues and just played friendlies. And there's other clubs saying it's been great playing friendlies. There's other clubs who at the beginning of the year said, oh, forget about the cup format at the beginning and just go straight into leagues. I've just seen clubs playing in the cup final in here and telling me it's the best experience they've ever had ever in rugby in the terms of the communities with all the crowds. You know, Trebano's playing in here and having over 20,000 hits on YouTube to watch the game uh, against Bedwas. I don't think we would have seen that a long time ago, but having 20,000 plus hits on a YouTube stream, watching Trebano speak Bedwas, I thought it was a fantastic day in the sun. So I, I still think there's positives and we're really, really grateful for everything that the clubs have done. But it was always going to be difficult decisions this year, no matter what. But unfortunately, textbooks and books to look at what people have done in the past. We didn't have that this year. So we've had to try and be adaptable. We've tried to be flexible. We've tried to be creative just to get people back in the game. Has it been frustrating for some? Yes, we know that. The key thing for me, and I think for everybody in the union and the ask is, hey, we've got through this. We've got through this. Let's really now work together, support each other. Let's support each other as a group of clubs. Let's help each other as volunteers and players. We have a fantastic product. It's a fantastic game. Just seeing that out here that brings communities together. Let's all, I'd love, once in a lifetime, could we in Wales just get together, put our arms around each other, support each other, and really go for it next season. It is a full-on season next year. With promotion, yeah, we've got relegation in there. We've got opportunities next year. We've got through COVID. We've gone had a real tough two, three years. Let's all work together now and get the game back. And hopefully, I'd love one day where I can wake up and social media is positive, papers are positive. Because what it does is actually give that young 10-year-old, male or female, will want to play the game, right? So we have a duty collectively to actually get our next generation to play what I call this fantastic game. If we can do that collectively, you know, I'd love more positiveness out there. I think it'd be fantastic. But you'll always have frustration. So sorry that I went on a little bit of a, a soapbox there to promote the game. But um, in terms of the Pondable, did we do our utmost to try and get the game on? Yes, we did. You know, sometimes clubs, they can't mutually agree. And then when we put dates to them, they still don't mutually agree. And that's what's happened in this particular case. And it's been frustrating for us all. We understand that. But the key thing was also about getting through this season as well. WRU head of participation, Garrett John, giving his reaction to the Pontypool statement about not being able to finish their fixtures and challenge for the championship title. A lot of interesting details there. A lot of information about the state of the youth game in Wales. More reaction next week as the season comes to a close on the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. But until then... Goodbye.